0: BIMP mm-hmm. Welcome everyone to episode 82 of Some Like It Scott, part of the Media Plug Podcast Network. I'm your host Scott Shelton and on this week's episode of the podcast, as promised last week, we are finally turning our attention away from 2019 and fully focusing on what is to come in 2020. That's right. On this week's episode, we're talking about our most anticipated movies of 2020 and with me to do that, as always, I have my co-host Scott Harvey. Scott, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm doing interesting, Scott, to say the least. I, I think I'm definitely coming to podcast from the most exotic location that either of us have ever come from, which is uh, the hotel bathroom in the hotel where we are staying right now in Atlanta. Um, we had some uh, recording issues and this was the best way. Long story short, this was the best way to make sure we could get this recording done today while we're together is for me to sit in the bathroom while Scott is sitting outside at the desk in our in our hotel room but uh, so 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 yeah that's that's a, an interesting story I guess I've never done a podcast while sitting on the toilet before but um, there's the first time for everything but other than that I'm doing well we're here in Atlanta for schmodown live so really excited for that tonight for one of the biggest title matches ever in the schmodown and uh, we're gonna get to be there front and center so I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, couldn't couldn't be excited myself. I uh, couldn't be more excited myself uh, for for that. And uh, to say exotic location coming from the bathroom and that we had technical difficulties uh, would be an understatement. I'd say we uh, we had some frustrations earlier. Can't, still don't understand why it wasn't working. But you know, when all else fails, go back to the way that we normally record the podcast. And I, you know, put you in the corner in the bathroom, and we'll figure things out from there.
1: That is true. That is how this podcast began. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, look look forward to a future Patreon special on how did this get made, uh, but not from the pot not from the typical yeah. movie podcast perspective.
1: The documentary about our podcast one day is going to be great. Yeah, this absolutely. will be this will be a great episode, Ben.
0: No, for sure. We'll definitely have lots of clip outs. And, and good news, got it that you do actually sound pretty good in the bathroom right now. So uh Yeah, the acoustics you, in here are wonderful. Honestly, yeah. Should uh do, we should just in the future just record all episodes from our respective bathrooms in our in our living situations. Yeah, maybe we're on to something. All right, we've beaten probably this this horse to death at this point. So why don't we move on to the real content for today's episode, and that is going over, like I said already, our most anticipated movies of 2020. In the past, we've done this episode more as a, an add on to our, I think, to our either our award show or our Oscars recap. Uh, this year, we broke it out into its own thing, uh, as is a tradition, probably since you know about a year ago when we went to one episode a week, uh, started trying to having shorter episodes. We'll try to keep things briefer than we did last week. This week as well, and basically we are, we are coming to the table each with our top five uh most anticipated movies of two thousand and twenty as well as five honorable mentions that we'll start with and go through uh relatively quickly here, Scott, but why don't we start things off with your first honorable mention
1: yeah uh for sure scott and and I will say that um as far as these lists go, we chose all different movies um but I will say that some of your movies um, probably would have made my list if we weren't trying to choose completely different movies from each other. Um, And I'll mention those when uh, they came up, when they they come up. Um, But my first honorable mention is In the Heights, Scott. This is of course based on Lin-Manuel Miranda's first Broadway musical. Um, John M. Chu of Crazy Rich Asians fame is gonna be directing this. Uh, And the first trailer just looked absolutely wonderful. Um, We haven't really had a good big screen musical since La La Land. So uh, I'm really I, I really have high hopes for this one. And I think knowing the music as I do that there, there's a lot of potential and also knowing the cast, which is has a lot of trained Broadway professionals in it, which I obviously prefer to big mo- name movie actors and movie musicals. Uh, I think this one's going to be a great summer release.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the good news is that this one has a release date. We've seen the trailer. It's going to be, I think, one of the few movies that we've already seen a trailer for. There'll be some more along the way, but I absolutely agree. And and to your point that you mentioned right before uh, we we started as a bit of a primer, I absolutely would have had at least two or three of yours uh, on my list as well. If not for the fact that we were being very careful in choosing in choosing different movies to have different movies to talk about. But yeah, in the Heights, you know, it, it almost feels like the trailer and the announcement of this movie has been overshadowed by the fact that they are bringing Hamilton to the big screen for me. I feel it's not that my anticipation has lessened for it, but just the fact that it, I feel like so much of the conversation airtime that might have gone to talking about this movie right now is going to the fact that we're getting a Hamilton release in 2021. But in the meantime, uh, we are getting this movie. It looks amazing. It's definitely the mu- not that I know of that many more musicals that are coming out in 2020. But it would probably top uh, the list if if, the, if I was told there were other musicals coming out next year, uh, coming out this year. And I, th- I think there are a couple that I'm just not thinking of off the top of my head. But June 26th is the release date for In the Heights. Hi- in the Heights, and I and I also can be more excited for it. All right, Scott. My first honorable mention is going to be one that is technically, you know, already been seen by quite a few people. I believe it either debuted at TIFF or or Venice last year, and that's called the Platform. It's a foreign, it's an international feature, I believe, from Spain. I can't remember exactly which country it's from. I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's in Spanish, and I think it's from Spain. Uh, but basically, it, it is this kind of horror genre horror movie. Uh, I know Netflix acquired the distribution rights for it, so it's going to drop on Netflix at some point in the near future. But it's this genre horror movie about this prison where every single month the the floor of the prison that you're on is redetermined and rescrambled. and the way that they feed the people in the prison is dropping this platform, you know, this huge platform full of like chock full of, a uh, you know, in, a large amount of food and they drop it down floor by floor. It goes floor by floor. So if you're on the top of the plot of the top of the prison, you know, you have the whole pick of pick of the litter, so to speak on what food you want. And then if you're at the bottom, obviously you have the, the inverse fortune. And I'm just really interested to see what this kind of movie uh, plays out as. I, like I said, Net- Netflix has acquired it. Uh, I believe it was, I believe it was Tiff. I could be wrong, but I believe this debuted at Tiff and, you know, I'm just really looking forward to it because I feel like we've just been on such a great run the last couple of years of real genre horror movies with a really interesting, really interesting themes or messages. And I think this is going to be another one. And also with the fact that something like Parasite winning Best Picture last year, the fact that an international feature like this with a very particular socio political message, I wonder if the fact that combat, combined with the fact that it's going to be available on Netflix, that this might actually get a lot of eyes in front of it. I'm not super optimistic about that, but I'm really excited about seeing this film when it comes out.
1: Yeah, Scott. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that it debuted at some festivals. I'm not exactly sure how he saw it, but Mark Riley uh, from the Schmodown, of course, uh, and formerly of Collider. He actually had this movie in his top 10 of last year. Um, again, not sure exactly how he saw it, but he had a lot of high praise for it. He's a big horror guy. So uh, I do take his endorsement on that particular uh, point, uh, some you know, somewhat heavily. So I'm looking forward to this one as well.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I could also be misremembering about it because I know Jeff Snyder and Perry Nimroff also saw because they talked about it on a movie talk, which is how I, I learned of it. So maybe, maybe there was a screener that they all went to. I'm not, I just don't remember off the top of my head right now. Yeah, that's
1: very possible.
0: But the good news, it is coming to Netflix sometime this year. Um, so get excited about that one. All right, Scott, your I second have... honorable mention.
1: Yeah, my next honorable mention uh, is the film Passing. Uh, Scott, this is based on uh, a novel by Nella Larson. Um African-American writer. Um, The novel is fairly old work, and I believe it's been trying to be adapted for some time. There's been adaptations in the works for some time. There may even be one adaptation already, but um, regardless, this is going to be the directorial debut for one of my favorite actresses, Rebecca Hall. Um, She's going to be, I believe, writing, she's going to be adapting and directing uh, Nella Larson's novel here. Uh, The story is one uh, that I think has a lot of potential for uh some interesting commentary on race i mean the novel certainly uh is is groundbreaking in the way that it discusses race and and specifically the concept of racial passing which is um in the context of this work is basically a a light-skinned black woman passing off as white in order to blend into society and sort of the pros and cons that result from that um and so i think there's there's a potential for a really provocative storytelling here. Uh, and this is going to star uh, Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega uh, in the lead two roles. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think this could be a really interesting uh, adaptation of a novel that maybe is as relevant now as it was when it was written.
0: Yeah, no, I, I remember... A lots of conversations in college or around this topic just a, a few years ago. And I can't imagine that sort of dialogue has, has died out. I'm, I'm in fewer environments these days to have those kind of conversations, but I'm really interested to see what direction this movie goes. And I'm interested in see what Rebecca Hall is going to be doing as a director. It's a, I think she's an interesting choice to direct this work probably. Um, and obviously she has a great cast to work with between Tessa Thompson, Ruth Nega, Andre Holland, Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, but just really interested to see what's going to what's going to become of that. I wonder if she has any, you know, personal uh, stake in, in the game with maybe some experiences that she has with her family or or whatever it might be. I'll be interested to see what, what she can bring there. And I'm more interested to see who's going to actually distribute this movie because it doesn't have a distributor yet. Uh, it is a true indie movie of that type being kind of produced by a bunch of different, uh, I'm assuming, uh, funding from a bunch of different places. But I wonder uh, who is going to grab hold of this. I imagine it'll probably be debut at some festival and uh, someone will pick it up.
1: Yeah, ne- Neon should have it on their radar. I feel like this could be up there, Ali.
0: Yeah, absolutely could be. All right, Scott, I think that's a good shout. And my second shout is going to be a movie that's getting a lot of buzz uh, coming out of Sundance this year, uh, not just because of the actual, uh, you know, who's involved with in this movie, who's making this movie, et cetera, but also uh, because of its cast. And it, it's really got everything on on all fronts here. And that is after Yang. It's Koganada's second movie after Columbus a few years ago, uh, at least his... Second English, uh, English language movie. If I'm not mistaken, um, yeah, he has. He
1: made a lot of like, uh, like sh- art short art films. I think prior to making Columbus, but I think Columbus was probably his feature debut.
0: His feature debut, yeah. So yeah, so after Yang being his his sophomore outing, it's supposed to be a science fiction drama, and it's starring you know Haley Lee Richardson, who I won't I won't say necessarily made her name in Columbus, but was definitely a performance that put her on a lot of you know, I guess Hollywood radar. Uh, Hollywood critics radar is you know, solidifying that performance that she had in Edge of 17. And then she's going to be joining the cast by one of the people that I think is a person to watch over the next few years and debuted in Queen and Slim last year, Jodie Turner Smith. And then uh, Colin Farrell is also one of the lead roles. So a really great cast for Koganata. To deal with and uh, the premise is in a world where robotic children are purchased as, li- as live-in babysitters, a father and daughter attempt to save the life of their robotic family member Yang, who has become unresponsive. So I think there's just a lot of really interesting AI-related themes and it being an AI movie, of course, A24 is going to be the production and distribu- the producer and distributor behind this film. And, and so it's one of those that was just, just close, very, very close to breaking into my top five, but uh, it still falls on the honorable mentions list.
1: Yeah, Scott, this is one of my most anticipated A24 releases this year and probably would have been at least in my honorable mentions if you hadn't written it down there. Um, I love Columbus. It's a really, really interesting movie. Um, like you said, Haley Richardson, really breakout performance. John Cho is also really good in that. Um, if you haven't seen that one, check it out. Uh, Coconut has a really interesting eye, um, in particular, the architecture in Columbus is really strikingly filmed. But um, yeah, so, so I was always going to be excited for whatever he had to do next. Um, and yeah, seeing this cast definitely gets me excited. I mean, Haley Richardson, again, someone that I will watch in anything. Um, and then I haven't seen Queen and Slim yet, but yeah, Jodie Turner-Smith is certainly a name that I've become familiar with. If you check out our newsletter from this past week, I mentioned her as one of our uh, actresses, and actresses to watch in 2020. Um, so this is absolutely one that I'm looking forward
0: to. Yeah, absolutely. And doesn't have a release date yet, but I'd expect a late summer, early fall release from A24, or if they're feeling it has strong awards potential, something a little bit deeper in the fall. All right, Scott, what is your third honorable mention today?
1: My third honorable mention, another Sundance film uh, called The Nest. Um, This is the long-awaited second film from Sean Durkin, who uh, made a film, I believe, back in 2013, 2014, 2012, somewhere in there, uh, called Martha Marcy May Marlene. Um, which was kind of the breakthrough movie for Elizabeth Olsen. Um, It may have even been longer ago than I'm thinking, but um, it it was kind of her breakout role was in that movie. And it's a really interesting movie about um, a woman who gets involved in this like cult of sorts um, and kind of abusive behavior that results from that. It's a really interesting movie. so People have been waiting for the follow-up for a while and we're finally going to get it with the nest. Um, The plot summary is kind of a a little vague for this, um, but it appears to be some sort of like gothic type drama set in this English manner. Um, Don't know a whole lot about the plot, but it got great buzz out of uh, Sundance and it got it has a great cast led by uh, Jude Law and Carrie Coon, two people that I'm certainly fans of. Um, And so, yeah, this is this is one to watch for, for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, another Sundance movie that, you know, it definitely, definitely made waves at the festival. And I think it's just waiting for someone to pick it up. It doesn't have a distributor yet, but it, it will. It, it will get a distributor at some point. Absolutely. And I don't know if it's a movie that would go to Cannes as well. Uh not 100% sure about that. But if it does uh, and features at some other, show, uh, other, um, other festivals this year, it's only a matter of time for this to get picked up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and especially with that cast, I mean Jude Law look like he does. He 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 has some swings and some misses. He also has some hits. Uh, but I think on on the net, everyone's really positive on him. And when you have a uh, an actor like him in in one of the lead roles, along with Carrie Coon, who I think is someone who is definitely you know an up and comer, and and her star power is rising a little bit with all the projects that she takes on here and there. Uh, it, it's only a matter of time. All right, Scott, my third honorable mention is going to be one that, you know, is a little bit, you know, straight down the pike. This is not going to be a new one to many people's ears, I don't think. And that is Pixar's uh, new movie, not Onward, their other new movie this year. Uh, and that is Soul. It, it's going to be directed by Pete Doctor, who directed my favorite Pixar movie, the uh, I'm sorry, Inside Out. He also directed Monsters, Inc., I believe. Has he directed any other ones? I can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe Up. I think he did Up as well. Um, I think up, what, yeah, up was or was it up Brad Bird. I don't know. Up was not Brad Bird. Ratatouille. Okay. I, I think it Ratatouille, was Ratatouille. might have been Brad Bird. Um, but Ratatouille.
1: Anyway, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think that. Yeah. So directed by Pete Doctor, who really kind of makes the the Pixar movies that I think really pique my interest the most. I, I just watched Monsters Inc. for the first time uh, since I was like a like a I don't know like seven or eight. Uh, last week and I could really just feel a lot of the things that I that I that made me love inside out in that movie You know just on the surface not being explored at a super deep level But really just the the precursors to that movie being there um As as well, and so I, I just really look forward to what he particularly has to bring to the table when he directs and produces and creates uh, movies at Pixar Obviously, he's one of, he, I mean, he's one of the chief executives over there. I don't know if he's the ceo I think he might be the cceo um, the chief content officer, but he really has a particular vision that I think speaks to me and I'm really excited. We got the first, I don't know if it's technically a teaser or if it was a full trailer, but we got the first look at it and it looks whimsy and creative, but at the same time, you know, very serious and exploring kind of in some ways the other side of the coin of the themes that were explored in inside out, which I find very interesting. The fact that it's going to be exploring sort of the, uh, an adult and his and the mind of an adult and what it might mean to to find belonging and a sense of self uh at an older age than something like inside out, which is which is kind of finding your sense of self at and coming to terms with your emotions at uh, at a younger age, you know, when you're when you're a child. And so I'm really interested to see what how, how this movie shakes out. and it's one it's probably my most anticipated animated movie
1: of the year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I agree that it definitely has some strong inside out vibes from the trailer, but that's not necessarily what I think. I do think it is going to be something a little bit different from Pixar oh. uh, and the voice cast is- excellent as well so I'm yeah this this is definitely the more anticipated of the two Pixar releases for me and I can't think of really another animated movie which I'm probably looking forward to one in this one
0: not looking forward to Raya and the Last Dragon from Walt Disney Studios later this year it's got Aquafina I'm not I'm not being fantastic at all
1: no I I know you're not yeah no I I think that that's going to be an interesting one as well but um, we we do have a trailer for Soul which is kind of what uh, has really got me on board yeah absolutely
0: All right, Scott, uh, number four for your honorable mentions.
1: Yeah, okay, another Sundance movie. Uh, I believe I'm finishing it out here with two Sundance movies for my honorable mentions, but uh, Zola is my next pick. This is another A24 film as well. Um, At least they're distributing it. Um, And this is a movie which was really one of the most talked about movies at Sundance. It is based off a Twitter thread um, that a Twitter user... um, Posted a, a couple of years ago, I believe, like eighty-something tweets long. I can't remember exactly how long it was, but chronicling this wild true story uh, of this road trip that she had to Florida, where um, all hell broke loose. Um, I actually haven't read the thread because I want to, uh, you know, keep that uh, suspense going into the movie of not knowing what's going to happen because it just sounds like it's a, you know, one of those wild you won't believe what happens next stories. Um, and yeah, the the buzz was good from Sundance. you got good reviews. Uh, Riley Keough, uh, Nicholas Braun, Coleman Domingo are some of the names from the cast that are, might be recognizable here, um, and yeah, I think this has a lot of potential. I think this could even be like the uncut gems of this year of like an A24 film where you're just like wired the whole time and have no idea what's going to happen next, so I'm looking forward to this one.
0: I know you probably just said it, but who's the director for this again?
1: Uh, yeah, so the director um, is janica bravo uh, i don't think i'm saying her name right but um regardless this is her feature debut um and yeah so that's that's something to look forward to as well
0: yeah because your comparison to uncut gems i mean i think this obviously the safety brothers uh, not necessarily in terms of mainstream esta- like being established but definitely had some some you know pr- proof of concept on their on their record on their filmography before but yeah. that doesn't that doesn't mean that that You know, this movie can't come together and be the uncut gems. Absolutely. I mean, the story, the content, the material, it is adapted rather than original, but it's there. And in terms of what you're describing as the craziness of what happens over the course of this film, I I mean, I haven't read the tweet thread either, but I think that, I mean, everything that that people said that I read coming out of Sundance were just like, it is an absolute wild ride. And I think they have, I mean, they have such a good cast, I think, as well. I mean, Riley Keough, I believe, is in this, right?
1: Yes, she is. Yeah, she's kind of playing the lead, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I can't remember if she's Zola or the friend, but I think that it, this is it, they have the right cast. I feel like Riley Keough can really bring that. I mean, she has I think she has such a wide range uh, for someone who maybe hasn't isn't hasn't really had her like breakout role yet. But I think she has such a wide range. She can bring that kinetic energy uh, to the screen. So I think that this is this definitely has the potential. I think I'm a little, a little bit more bearish on its, on its chances to be something like Uncut Gems, which, you know, honestly, one of my favorite movies of the decade, and you know, fourth or fifth favorite movie of last year, and you know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a high bar to live up to, but if if they can pull it together, I mean, I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, totally. All
0: right, Scott. For me, just continuing with the Sundance trend, you can, you can tell that we were really influenced in our honorable mentions at the very least uh, by Sundance movies, and that is Nine Days. Uh, that is a science fiction film directed by Edson Oda, who I don't believe. I think it's her. I think it's his. Her. I don't even know if it's a male or female. Actually, a uh, directorial debut, and it stars Winston Duke, Zazie Beetz, Bill Skarsgård, Benedict Wong, among others. Tony Hale, I believe, in, is in this as well. As well, and so, I mean, absolutely incredible cast. It's a science. Like I said, it's a science fiction film about a recluse who interviews a collection of different souls. Uh, on their way, I assume, to the afterlife to offer them the chance to be born, and basically nine days is, I believe, referencing the fact that that you have nine days in this sort of interim purgatory. I don't know if it's a purgatory-like place, but this kind of interim state between going on to the afterlife and after you've died, and it, it is a it's, everything that I've heard is, is that it's a very introspective film. It has a, basically, I think, is going to be exploring some really deep. Uh, not necessarily dark, but deep themes around, um, you know, whether it's the meaning of life or, or what people value and and really approach this from an interesting angle. And really, I think that the thing that grabbed my attention the most is that, you know, my pick for, you know, actress to watch last year's As He Beats is one of the leads in this film. And I think every, you know, that that casting, along with Winston Duke, I think is a really great talent, up and coming talent uh, in Hollywood as well as the interesting premise and themes that it entails really grabbed my attention. And again, another movie that was so close to breaking onto my top five list.
1: Yeah, I don't know too too much about this one, Scott, but um, the concept sounds interesting. You're right in saying that it has a good cast. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you have brought it to my attention.
0: All right, I think we're ending with two more Sundance movies as well. So Scott, why don't you round out your honorable mentions list?
1: Yeah, my last uh, honorable mention is Promising Young Woman. Again, talked about film from Sundance. Uh, another debut feature from a director, female director, Emer- Emerald Fennell. Um, and yeah, the trailer was what really initially caught my attention for this, even before Sundance happened. It's definitely a very attention-grabbing trailer. Carrie Mulligan is starring as this woman. Uh, I think it, the plot is kind of a feminist sort of revenge type thriller. Um, and yeah, the, just the aesthetic of the movie looks uh, looks very interesting from the trailer. Uh, but yeah, Carrie Mulligan, as I mentioned, Bo Burnham, um, Bree, Brie, Molly Shannon, a few other big names in the cast. Uh, and again, a lot of good reviews from Sundance, uh, that I think, uh, bump this one definitely high up on my list. This is probably maybe the, maybe the closest of the five to breaking into my top five most anticipated.
0: Yeah. I mean, promising young woman is probably the movie that we just know a lot about, probably the one we maybe know the most about, uh, on the list of. Of um of our honorable especially the honorable mentions, but um maybe also even our, our top five list, and that's because it's coming out you know not not that long from now, less than a month and a half. It's coming out April seventeenth is its wide debut, and absolutely I I you know I was hooked by the trailer as well. I think it's a really interesting premise. I really like Carrie Mulligan a lot. Um, she took a I think I don't know if she took some time off, but she had a I mean she had her I think her first kid, and so that took her out of things, and so to see her coming back now is is really exciting, and I'm Adamant that there's going to be something more to this movie than what the trailer is showing. I just don't know if, if the movie is would be getting the hype that it's getting coming out of Sundance if there wasn't some additional punch to the film behind besides this sort of you know f- this you know Me Too revenge revenge type movie.
1: Yeah, I mean the trailer was a good trailer in the sense that it does it didn't give you too much information. It, it, it let definitely left things ambiguous enough to where you want want to see the movie to actually get what all is going on here. So I think you're probably right about that.
0: Yeah, we shall see. Like I said, probably, I think that's the one on our list that's coming out first, uh, unless the platform drops, you know, some random yeah. some random Tuesday or Wednesday uh, from Netflix. Yeah, and, and to round out the list with an, another Sundance film, why not? You know, but one that is different than anything else on our list because it's a documentary uh, got talked about a lot in the news before it even debuted. And that is on the record. It's Kirby Dick and Amy Ziering's Next movie, you know, that's the kind of duo, or at least I don't know if both of them did, but at least Kirby Dick, who has done a series of movies uh, related to sexual violence in different spaces. He did uh, the Hunting Ground, which is the one about college campuses. I forget the name of the one for the. He also did one about the military as well. I'm I'm forgetting is the that, name of that si- one.
1: Is it like the Silent War or something like the that? The Invis-
0: the Invisible War. Invisible War. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, and then he also did a movie called uh, The Bleeding Edge. Uh, which is on Netflix. I didn't see that one. I'm not 100% sure what that one's about. Um, I think that's not related to sexual violence. Um, But on the record is, again, going back to that point, going back to sexual violence where he kind of made his name, so to speak. And that movie explores uh, sexual violence as it relates to uh, sexual abuse allegations made against Def Jam co-founder Russell Simmons. And you know, this movie obviously made a lot of news because it was originally backed and co-produced by Oprah when uh, Oprah Winfrey and she backed out about a week before its debut at Sundance and obviously it made a lot of noise because of that for that reason but this movie also you know debuted at Sundance was received quite well picked up by HBO Max uh so I'm really looking forward to seeing that whenever it does drop on their service I don't know if it will get a wide theatrical release just because that hasn't been HBO's model in the past but and especially because HBO Max being a kind of a uh, all-in-one streaming platform angle. I don't think that this will get a wide release, but I'm really looking forward to when this does ultimately drop on that service. I believe HBO Max is debuting in May, so I wonder if this will be out on HBO Max for its, uh, for its debut. Um, By either way, very excited about this film.
1: Yeah, Kirby Dick is like the one, maybe the only documentarian out there uh, to me, at least, who when I hear his name, I'll, I'm interested to watch whatever he has to put out. One you didn't mention, Scott, that I love is this film is not yet rated. Which uh, mm. uh, is an older one, but when he did about the motion picture. Uh, the MPAA. Yeah. Thought I knew what the acronym stood for, but um, the Thanks MPAA's. The yeah. The MPAA's a uh, ratings board, and you know the method, the, the highly arbitrary methods which they use to come to you know whether a movie is going to be rated R, PG, thirteen. Uh, NC-17, all of these things. It's a really interesting uh, watch, but yeah, the hunting ground is really powerful, and I think this one has a lot of potential.
0: Yeah, I forgot that he did that one, because that was before, because the Invisible War was like 2012, I think, so Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously he did plenty of movies before that, plenty of documentaries before that, Um, so that's a a good call as well. Yeah. All right, Scott, getting into the meats and bones of our list now with number five for you.
1: My number five is Death on the Nile. Um, This is uh, the second film, and I guess uh, what is going to become a cinematic universe now, uh, the the Hercule Poirot cinematic universe coming to us courtesy of Kenneth Branagh. Of course, the first entry was his version of Murder on the Orient Express uh, back in 2017, um, which, you know, a lot of people, I think, weren't as hot on. I really enjoyed um, that that movie. I thought it was a fun adaptation. I thought it had a lot of humor to it. I think Brandon is a really good choice for Poirot. So I, you know, I I thought that that was a lot of fun, and I'm I'm glad that these types of movies are still getting made. These sorts of classical whodunits. And Murder on the Orient Express did very well at the box office, Um, and so it's not really a surprise to see him adapting another one of uh, the most famous part of novels, In Death on the Nile, one which has been adapted before in an older film starring Peter Ustinov. But, um, you know, Murder on the Orient Express had obviously been adapted before. And, uh, you know, as with um, all of the sort of Christie adaptations, this movie has a starstead cast for sure. Um, Al Godot, Army Hammer, Net Benning. Leticia Letitia Wright. And one person that I am t- uh, particularly interested in seeing is Emma Mackey, who um, is probably my favorite person in the cast of Sex Education, um, which is a show that I'm a big fan of on Netflix. Um, and she has a, a big role here um, as Jacqueline de Belfort, who's like sort of the one one of the players at the heart of this love triangle that's at the center of Death on the Nile*. And so uh, I'm excited to see what she can do as well. And I'll, I'll be interested to see, you know, does this movie, um, do just as well at the box office as Murder on the Orient Express? Does it get a bump from uh, Knives Out? Um, you know, having done so well at the box office and being a similar type movie. Either way, I'm looking forward to this one. I think this looks like a fun star studded whodunit.
0: Yeah, I, I, we'll see if it gets a bump from Knives Out, but I don't, I mean, I still think that Murder on the Orient Express did better than Knives Out. So, I, just, I don't know if if Knives Out is the bump that it need that it needs to get something from. It just needs to see can you know can the audience for Murder on the Orient Express, Murder on the Orient Express excuse me can that carry over to Death on the Nile, which is a slightly less famous novel than Murder on the Orient Express, but it's still uh, you know it, it, it this is going to be a direct sequel, right? You, you talked about cinematic universe. I don't know if it, we need to take it that far because it's a it's a little bit different. Um, yeah, there, I'm, I was joking. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but but to, to your point though, it is a direct sequel, and so I think yeah. that they will try to bring in people that way. And you're absolutely right about the cast. I mean, if you're if you're lukewarm on Who Done It movies, I mean, just look at the cast, and you might change your mind about you know whether how excited you are for this movie. You know, you went down the list there, but the fact that. You know, you have someone like Letitia Wright, who you know isn't a slam dunk name, but as someone who coming out of Black Panther, we were all like, you know, is is this the next person in Hollywood, right? Like, because she was just so well received for that role, and ma- maybe her career has been a little bit slow since Black Panther. I think you know she had te- technically was in Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame, but she hasn't really done in the other movies. I think she was in Guava Island or or whatever that. Is it was, was it Donald Glover and um I forget it was the Donald Glover mo- like Amazon Yeah, I don't know Yeah. I think it might have been Rihanna too. I am forgetting off the top of my head. Um can't remember. But basically she hasn't really done anything in the last couple of years, which has been a little bit surprising to me. And I wonder if if you know this could be that platform to to take off again, you know she's someone further down the down the casting list, like I was saying. But then you just you know you have you just an incredible cast, and it was also the case for Murder on the Orient Express, and that's because Kenneth Branagh is the one you know at the helm here, just such a such a famous person uh, making these sort of period dramas like 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 this type right. You know he did his Ham- his version of Hamlet, he did Murder on the Orient Express. I think people really enjoy working with him for these types of movies, and the cast list shows.
1: Yeah, and and one other thing I will say that I'm curious about is the adaptation um, of the the novel because, of course, like you said, this is a direct sequel. Because at the end um, of the Murder on the Orient, Murder on the Orient Express, like there was an implication that like Poirot, someone came up to Poirot and like informed him of the murder that happens in Death on the Nile, or that something was going on. But 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 it's interesting because like in Death on the Nile just like stumbles into the mystery. He happens to be on the same ship where the murder takes place. And so I'm interested to see how they're going to deal with that. Obviously they like inserted that into murder on the Orient Express, I guess, hoping that there would be a sequel, you know, setting it up for a sequel, but right. now they may uh, have to make some, you know, somewhat significant alterations to just this, the main storyline of death on the Nile in order to follow through on that. So that is one thing I'm a little bit skeptical about, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I don't remember that from Murder on the Orient Express, but I'll probably revisit that. I was I mean, I was one of those people who was maybe a little bit more lukewarm on Murder on the Orient Express. And but I but I would revisit that just to see because I mean, my understanding was that it was just going to be not unlike Murder on the Orient Express. It was just going to be kind of set up in this sort of not haphazard, but oh, just by happenstance that, you know, Hercule Poirot was on the train uh, to, you know, going going from Istanbul to Wherever I forget, I forget the final destination of the train in Murder on the Orient Express. But whatever, Um, yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. It'll really be interesting to see if they have to reconstruct the plot around that. Yeah, I think I'm remembering that correctly
1: from Murder on the Orient Express. I believe. Yeah. That's yeah. Correctly. No, I really? trust you.
0: I'm just saying. I, I didn't. I don't. I didn't remember that being a part right. of it. All right, Scott. For me, I think my number five here is a movie that, um, you know, <laughs> we were joking because last night before before we were recording this, that I have a couple movies in my top five list that have the title uh, have the word water in the title and this is one of them and it's called Red White and Water it's an upcoming uh, drama film from Lila Neugebauer and a screenplay from Elizabeth Sanders i think Lila Neugebauer i can't remember if she's done a movie before but i th- i think this might be her debut but definitely more known for her theater work and you know she has this movie set up at A24 uh, i'm not sure if it's produced by them but they're at the very least distributing it and it is starring two of you know probably our favorite Actors, I'm not saying at the top of the list here, but Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry are the two stars of this movie. Uh, you know, among among a, a list of you know further people down the cast, and we don't really know that much about this movie. In fact, I don't even know what this movie is about at all, to be honest. Besides that, it's just a drama. But the fact that Jennifer Lawrence is making a return to her roots in indie films, you know, talking about something like Winter's Bone that put her on the map, you know, gave her her first you know Academy Award nomination before she jumped into more mainstream movies, of course, like Hunger Games, like, uh, you know, the David O. Russell movies that that she did in the string. uh, They're back to back, I think three of them. And I'm just really excited to see her return to her roots. It'll be interesting to see with someone who's directing from a more uh, theatrical background, how that's going to work its way into what this movie has to offer. But if you had two people, you know, in in a cast who are the lead roles, and you put them in an A24 movie that, Just got get me really excited. I mean, I think Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry would would be two of them uh, because I think they have incredible potential as actors and actresses. And, you know, Brian Tyree Henry might have disappointed last year in the I guess the um, the quality of the roles that he got. I mean, I mean, he had a couple scenes in a few of the movies that we were excited for him to be in. And, you know, Jennifer Lawrence really taking a break. Uh, after she shot X-Men Dark Phoenix just to try to I think reset her career a little bit and I'm excited to see what comes of that.
1: Yeah no I I think as far as the plot goes it looks like this is going to be kind of a PTSD type thing about a soldier from Afghanistan coming back from Afghanistan um, which is not sort of the type of plot which gets me super excited and maybe why this movie falls short of my list Um, but the, the cast does get me excited to your point and I think that um, Jennifer Lawrence, like you said, I'm excited to see her get back to her indie roots, like with winter's bone, the movie that she sort of broke through on. Um, I think this is a a good direction for her to go in her career, which is kind of, um, in a bit of a plateau at the moment. So I'm looking forward to this one.
0: Yeah. I, I, again, we don't have a real, we don't have a release date for this one yet. And I think that you're right. Yeah. Sorry. I just did a little bit of Googling here and you are right. It, It, Jennifer Lawrence is going to be playing a US soldier who suffers a traumatic brain injury. So I don't know if that's necessarily PTSD, but a TBI in Afghanistan and struggles to recover back home. We'll see if PTSD is a part of that or if it's uh, something, you know, obviously a TBI is similar to maybe not exactly the same. doesn't have to necessarily be a concussion, but can be related to that. Of course, and usually has concussion as a part of that. But yeah, really looking forward to this I'm interested to see what Brian Tyree Henry, like what his character is going to be, whether that's going to be someone who, you know, is a significant other or is someone who's just trying to support Lawrence's character, you know, through this, through this kind of post-war experience, having a TBI, etc. We don't have a release date yet, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if a 24 angles this for, you know, an award season release late in the year.
1: Yeah, I could totally see that being one of their two or three that they really heavily push for awards.
0: Especially with Jennifer Lawrence in the cast. All right, Scott, your number four.
1: Uh, My number four is those who wish me dead. Scott, this is, uh, the new movie from Taylor Sheridan, um, and uh, he's a, he's a director and writer that I, I really admire, mainly because he's sort of keeping the western alive nowadays. Um, of course, his first sort of breakthrough was with Sicario, um, but which which you know you can't really classify as a western. But since then, he of course wrote Hell or Highwater, which was. Western that got nominated for Best Picture. Uh, he also directed and wrote uh, Wind River, which was one of my favorite movies of 2017. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting crime drama with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. I mean Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, Jeremy Renner, you know, often mixed up with Jennifer Lawrence. Um, and uh, and uh, Elizabeth Olsen. I really like that movie. Um, and since then, he's been as the sh- he's been the showrunner on Yellowstone, which is not a show that I have watched, but which is one of the most popular cable shows, and again, a western. And this movie seems to be following suit with uh, what he's been doing with movies like Wind River and and you know stuff like Yellowstone. Um, it is a western thriller about a murder witness who is uh, pursued by twin assassins in Montana. Uh, forest fires also are going to play some sort of role in this movie. So it's it sounds like it's going to be a uh, crackling good time, no pun intended. Um, and the cast um, it, as you'd expect, I think Taylor Sheridan at this point in his career has earned uh you know enough name credit to get a big cast. he's and he's got one here with Angelina Jolie, Lee uh, who hasn't actually acted in uh, much in in quite a while um and so they'll be interested to see her back on screen. Uh, Nicholas Holt, someone that podcast listeners will know I'm a huge fan of, uh, John Bernthal, who appears in a lot of Sheridan stuff <clears throat> and also Tyler Perry who, um, you know, I, obviously more known for his directing work, but I'm a fan of what he did in a movie like Gone Girl, acting wise. And so, hopefully, you can bring something similar here. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, this is just going to be uh, a really uh, another probably gritty and uh, thrilling western from uh, Taylor Sheridan, who is probably the best in the biz at creating those nowadays. So I'm really excited for this.
0: Yeah, and Taylor Sheridan, I get to clarify, just to be sure, like, he didn't direct Sicario. I didn't even who directed Sicario, but he wrote Sicario in the sequel right. as he well wrote for Taylor High Water. Water. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if Wind River was his directorial debut, but definitely the most, definitely the biggest.
1: It was his directorial debut, yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, yeah, so yeah, so Wind River was his directorial debut, so this is kind of his, what is this this would be his sophomore outing, because, again, he, I think he just wrote Day of the Soldado.
1: Yes, this is his second directorial effort, but he has written all of those other movies that I talked about.
0: Got it. Yeah. No, I mean, this this movie seems like it could be really good. It's this like it's a female driven neo-Western. I mean, I don't think you see too many female driven Westerns. You could argue that Wind River had elements of that. And, you know, I was a big fan of that as well. I have a few kind of big complaints about the film, but overall really enjoyed it. Uh, more of a thematic complaint about the movie more than anything. But yeah, one of one of my favorite films back from was, that was 2017, right? Yeah, I think that was 2017. Um, so really looking forward to this as well as his other film this year just getting you getting a little bonus movie here number 21 on a, a, a 21st movie today that his the other movie that's coming out this year that he wrote he's not directing is called without remorse and that's michael b jordan jamie bell jody turner smith um and directed by stefano salima which is this based on a
1: tom clancy novel. exactly yeah it's
0: a it's based on without remorse by tom clancy and uh, michael b jordan playing the the lead role of john clark there but yeah no i think he is someone who is definitely gaining a lot of not not just notoriety but a lot of a lot of credit uh, for the for the kind of action, Western, uh, gritty drama kind of feel uh, with the different kind of movies that he's doing, and I'm here for it, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Scott. My number four is a, a movie that wasn't really on my radar until I started just looking at the 2020 calendar and realized that Spike Lee had a movie coming out this year, and that is this one. Uh, his, his new movie, or his next movie, his follow-up to Black Klansman, is this movie called five bloods it's a project that he's doing with netflix we'll see if they angle it to be one of their um one, one of their kind of award season releases but the film stars chadwick bosman and paul walter hauser i believe in the two lead roles uh and well i guess there's actually two more lead roles but i'm just not 100 sure who the other two in the cast are but it's about these four african-american Vietnam veterans, obviously Paul Hauser, non-African-American, um, <laughs> who return to Vietnam and they're in search of the remains of their fallen squad leader and the promise of buried treasure. Had a little bit of a, was it We Three, K- or I can't remember, Three Kings or whatever uh, feel? Three Kings, yeah. yeah I, we, we Three Kings. I think that's a band. Uh, anyway, these, and yeah, so the, the movie set up like that, yeah. I imagine maybe Jonathan Majors, who I know is also in this cast, might be one of those four, as way, as well as maybe Isaiah Whitlock, Jr., I'm just taking a guess at who might be the head of the four, the four veterans. And then, but I know Paul Walter Hauser has a prominent role in this movie as well. Norm Lewis is also in this movie, so maybe he's oh, one I of those four. Yeah, he's one of the four uh, veterans as well. Maybe I, again, not 100 sure who's who in this cast in terms of who they're playing, but very excited for this an original. I believe an original film from Spike Lee here, not based on any true story, and just coming off of Black Klansmen, and you know, getting. I I mean Spike Lee finally won an award for I it was an original screenplay or adapted screenplay I can't remember which one it was
1: adapted because adapted
0: yeah good. adapted screenplay yeah that makes more sense now that I'm thinking about it um, I'm I'm excited for him to maybe produce something uh, you know this is going to be an epic war drama obviously a little bit different than Black Klansman produce something that if Netflix decides to push it could again put him in the conversation for awards that he's long deserved over the course of his career.
1: Yeah, Scott, I'm a huge Spike Lee fan and Black Klansman is a movie that I think grows more uh, the more that I think about it. And I've, I've seen it a couple of times. I actually wrote a paper about it for a class in law school, strangely enough, last year. Um, and it, it's a movie that I think there's there's a lot more going on there than maybe I even gave it credit on the first watch. And I loved it on the first watch. Um, and so it's a movie that has grown even more in my estimation. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, you know, always looking forward to what he does, but particularly following a film like black Klansman. uh, I think this is something to look out for. And uh, you know, this uh, this the storyline sounds interesting. You know, the names you mentioned there in the cast, um, you know, definitely get me excited. So yeah, I think this is uh, this is maybe would have been close to making my list if it was not on yours.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, you talk about black Klansman being the type of movie that on a rewatch I enjoyed more. I I was a little bit, more I guess a little bit more lukewarm on it on a first watch than you are but the rewatch I mean it really felt like not to the same degree as Parasite but it really just felt like so much more of it clicked for me on the second watch and let talk about just really funny funny humor in in, in this film and in, in that film as well so interesting to see what he can you know string together for this movie all right Scott your number three
1: my number three is Rebecca uh, Scott this is adapted from the Daphne du Maurier novel um, which is Probably Up There is one of my favorite novels, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's like, when you talk about the Gothic gothic literature, it is like peak for me. But it's also, of course, famously um, a 1940 film directed by Albert Hitchcock, the only Hitchcock movie to win Best Picture. Um, really great movie by Hitchcock. I don't know if uh, anything's going to come close to touching that Hitchcock version. But I am definitely intrigued by what this new adaptation has to offer. First of all, this is coming from Ben Wheatley, who... Definitely not one of the directors you would uh, initially think would be directing you know, this Gothic romance, um, given his past credits, movies like Free Fire and Kill List, which are more action oriented, um, but he's gonna give, give it a go on this, uh, this uh, Gothic romance, like I said, and so I think that is intriguing in and of itself to see what sort of unique flair he can bring to this story. And the cast is good. I mean, you know, we're, we're, I feel like we're broken record saying that about all of our, all of these movies, they wouldn't be on our list if they didn't have good cast probably, but you have a uh, Lily James playing the lead role of Mrs. De Winter. Um, for those not familiar with the story, basically, uh, Mrs. De Winter is sort of this, uh, poor woman who is working sort of as a paid companion to a rich, uh, to a uh, more affluent woman. She meets this rich man named Maxim De Winter and marries him, um, uh, only to find out that his estate Manderley is sort of haunted by the ghost of his former wife, Rebecca. Um, but Lily James is playing Mrs. DeWinter. Um, Maxim DeWinter is being played by Army Hammer uh, and Kristen Scott Thomas has sort of the other big role as uh, Mrs. Danvers, who is the uh, housekeeper at Manderley who definitely plays a significant role in the story. Um, but yeah, Scott, this is, this is kind of maybe like little women from last year in, in terms of something that I'm, you know, hugely, ad, uh, hugely excited for just because of the source material. And, um, and then, you know, to, when you throw in the the star-studded cast to boot, I think that of all the, maybe of all the adaptations coming out this year, this is probably the one which uh, is the most intriguing to me and which I'm looking forward to. And I believe this is going to be a Netflix uh, release as well. So um, hopefully uh, this will uh, live up to my high expectations in the way that Little Women did last year.
0: It is a Netflix release. That that is correct, and I think it's for me. I mean, you throw around something like Little Women, Scott. You better be careful. I'm curious if it actually will be, you know, a, a, a gothic take, or if this new adaptation will be something very different, more modern. Yeah. Um. It, I think it's interesting. You go a lot of different directions. I mean, Lil, Lily James and Army Hammer both have the capabilities to to play. You know, people in period pieces, absolutely, I can hundred percent see them doing that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. And then, of course, Kristen Scott Thomas. I mean, she she seems ready made for a period role. But we'll see if we'll see if it's. I think, an, uh, honestly, to me, I haven't read the source material or seen the the Hitchcock movie. But I think that a more modern adaptation of it could be um, really interesting. Not unlike yeah. something like a Knives Out doing a more modern adaptation of uh, at least a genre that's typically set in a very period
1: time setting. Yeah, I definitely think that's a fair question to ask. And again, with Ben Wheatley directing, I would not be surprised to see it go in that direction.
0: Yeah, I'm actually not familiar with Ben Wheatley. What else has he done?
1: Yeah, movies like Kill List and Free Fire, um, which are more action oriented, like I said. So this is kind of a uh, Mm -hmm. change of direction for him. But um, that kind of makes me more interested, if anything.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, no, good shot. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Netflix, obviously, you can see here our last two movies here that we've talked about. We're both Netflix. Um, not sure if that's the last Netflix movies on our list, but my number three is a film called Deep Water. It's definitely not being distributed by Netflix. This is a Disney via 20th Century Studios uh, movie that is a psychological thriller from uh, director Adrian Lin, who's probably best known for is it Man, i don't even know because he hasn't made a movie in so long
1: fatal, of, fatal attraction definitely i think would be his most notable credit
0: or lolita i was thinking i was trying to decide between that or lolita um but yeah it's been a long time since Kubrick's 18...
1: lolita is the more famous version of that but yeah
0: yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, so Fatal Attraction, probably. You're, you're right about that. Um, yeah, so Adrian Lin is directing this, but I think more notably, just because I just finished Euphoria Season 1, Sam Levinson is at least co-writing this screenplay with Zach Helm, and it stars Ben Affleck and your pick for uh, actress to watch in 2020, Scott Anna de Armas, and the premise of this film Again, this is based on a book called Deep Water by Patricia Highsmith, which I'm not familiar with, but it is based on uh, the premise of it. I'm sorry, is a married couple who have fallen out of love. Uh, The married couple, of course, being played by Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas, and they fall out of love with each other and they begin playing deadly mind games is the way they describe it against one another that begins seeing those around them die. The supporting cast here includes Tracy Letts, who had uh, supporting roles in a lot of good movies last year. I'll give him credit for that. Finn Wittrock. Jacob Elordi, who is also in um, *Euphoria*, he plays Nate in *Euphoria*. Kristen Connolly, Rachel Blanchard. Uh, Lil Ray Howery, so a really robust supporting cast down the list there. Maybe not as uh, big name, many, as many big names as some of the other movies that we've talked about, but you know those leading roles. I think those are where all the eyes are going to be anyway. So this is a movie that I'm really excited for. Psychological thrillers, probably one of my favorite genres of film. And when you have someone like Sam Levinson, who I'm just really impressed with right now, I need to go watch Assassination Nation. Adrian Lynn coming back to direct this. Uh, I think it's a high risk, high reward type of movie. You know. I can't think of too many other directors who take what is essentially a 20, 20 plus year gap in their filmmaking and then come back and, and you know, either do. I can't even think of anyone that they've done well or done done poorly. Um, but I think there's a, a lot riding uh, on this on this movie because, like I said, high risk, high reward for me here. But the the reward could be really high
1: yeah no this probably would have definitely been in my honorable mentions if you had not mentioned it um i think that adrian lynn is is a perfect uh match for this sort of material i actually didn't realize this was based on a patricia highsmith novel but that gets me intrigued too because her novels have been made into some great films including uh strangers on the train and carol and talented mr ripley so um she's you know oft adapted author and uh so that that definitely um Add some credence to it for me too, and yeah, like you said, uh, Anna de Armas being in this, I think this is uh, you know a big chance for her to have a breakout in 2020, as I predicted her to do. So please don't let me down, Anna.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think this this could be the make or break of your prediction, probably. Uh, for yeah, you're talking about it being that one. It's one of her earlier novels. I, I'm not super uh, informed about you know what are her most famous books, but this I think was like her fourth or fifth book that she wrote out of like I don't know. 20 plus novels she ended up writing so Mm uh yeah no this is like i said this is not being adapted at netflix but this uh is going to be getting a very very wide release i'd imagine from disney um under the 20th 20th century studios banner and it's positioned right now at least for a november 13th release so all right all right scott what's your number two
1: my number two is Last Night in Soho. Um, this is the new movie from director Edgar Wright, um, probably most famous for his Cornetto trilogy of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, but also stuff like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which, of course, is maybe one of the few movies from our generation, Scott, which we can say has already become a cult classic of sorts. Um Cats. And also, yeah, there's another one. Um, and also, most recently, Baby Driver, of course, a movie that Scott, we're both. Uh, pretty big fans of. Um, hey, if
0: you take out and, the last 20 minutes of Baby Driver, one of the best movies of 2017.
1: Yeah, um, I think the whole thing's pretty good, but I haven't actually watched it in a while, so I need to revisit it. But anyway, um, this movie uh, is going to be his latest. He's also writing it along with Christy Wilson Karen, so of course just wrote uh, 1917. Um, and it's going to be, as far as plot details, we know that it's going to be about sort of a girl who's passionate about uh, fashion, and she meets the like the singer who she idolizes, um, but then uh, things start to unravel. It, there Maybe there are some horror elements in there as kind of hinted at by the plot description that I'm looking at, which is interesting because that's kind of direction that Edgar Wright um typically goes in but uh i mean he he goes in a lot of different directions in his movies that's what i think makes him such a fun and interesting director and yeah fun i think is just the word which are you can consistently say about edgar wright's movies i'm not expecting this movie to be any different it also has an excellent cast at least an excellent two names at the top of the bill with two of the uh, i think most promising young actresses um, working today, Anya Taylor Joy, who I believe is going to be playing the singer. Um, and Thomas and McKenzie, uh, from you know JoJo Rabbit and Leave No Trace, who is going to be playing, I believe, the main character in this movie. Uh, Matt Smith is also in the supporting cast, a few other uh, somewhat recognizable names, but yeah, really the the name, the, the name that gets me most excited about this is Edgar Wright. I will uh he, he's one of those directors who gets uh you know a, a free pass from me. I'll go see whatever he does just because he He's doing it, um, and so this uh, this should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's being distributed by uh, an indie film uh, company called Focus Features. I've Probably, if you go see a lot of movies, you definitely recognize that name. They are one of the bigger indie studios, and it has a September 25th release date, which I find interesting. That's by no means a dead period. I think it really changed the game for making September a release month. That is something to get excited about. But it is trying to jump in right before the Halloween area because. This is, I think, this is supposed to be a psychological horror movie. Uh, it'll probably toe the line between psychological thriller and horror, hence the psychological horror. Um, but that is really interesting to me because you're right. I've never gotten any real authentic horror vibes from Edgar Wright before, obviously. Um, he, he maybe dabbles in some horror comedy so to speak, in certain elements of some of his movies. But uh, a true horror film, it, it's, if it doesn't have any sort of comedic relief in it, that's something a little bit different and definitely interesting. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, we'll see. It, I think September 25th, I can't remember the exact release date of Parasite, but that is about the time that Parasite started to get its wide release. Um, and maybe Last Night in Soho can be a big indie breakthrough like Parasite this year. Uh, it absolutely would have been on my list if it hadn't been on yours.
1: Yeah, I'd be surprised if it doesn't have some comedic elements just knowing his films. But um, I mean, Baby Driver was kind of a different step for him as well, too, in terms of like he hadn't really made the sort of straight up muscular action movie like that Mm -hmm. before. So um, he 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 has been known to experiment some. And I think this be a further example of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, he wrote Ant-Man as well and was supposed to direct that for a long period of time, which is, uh, again, a very different flavor than some of the other things that he's done. You know, I, I hope that with his experimentation, he just learns how to, again, maybe, maybe we differ on the, on this opinion, but um, I just thought that he lost, like it just went off the rails the last 20 minutes of Baby Driver. So I hope that he's able to refine it, his story or however you want to think about it a little bit for something like this and, and figures out how to, you know, land, land the plane. All right, Scott, my number two, honestly, my top two here are most anticipated. They're, they're not going to be movies you haven't heard of, I don't think. Uh, my number two is Denny Villeneuve's next movie, a very small film. I think it's on a shoestring budget even uh, called Dune. Uh, massive, massive movie uh, being done. I actually forget which production company is doing it right now. Uh, definitely at one of the big companies. Um, but Denis Villeneuve, his, his follow-up to, I believe, Arrival. I think Arrival was the last movie that he did Blade Runner, right? Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. How could I forget Blade Runner? I love that movie. Yeah. Blade Runner 2049. Uh, it, this is it with Warner brothers I, Yeah, He has an overall deal with Warner brothers. I should have remembered that. Um, yeah, so he, this is happening over at, at Warner brothers. Of course, the epic science fiction, uh, adaptation of Frank Herbert's, uh, novel. I don't know if this is only going to be pulling from the first, uh, Dune novel or, or even a certain part of the first Dune novel or from multiple Dune novels. I have no idea, uh, how this is, currently being adapted but Danny villeneuve my director of the decade uh from last year if you listen to the podcast where we talked about kind of our other decade awards and couldn't be could not be more excited for this movie i mean it, it is an absolute it takes an absolute uh, act of god probably the fact that this is number two and not number one on my list and we'll get to why it's not number one unless on when we get to our number ones in a second but the cast for this again broken record here amazing cast timothy chalamet playing kind of the, the lead role if there is such a thing in this novel of, of Paul Atreides. I don't actually know how to pronounce the, the last name, but he's kind of the, the scion or the son of this of this house and the lead character here. Rebecca Ferguson is playing uh, a major role here. Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Zendaya, David Dismalkian, I mean, I mean, the the cast for The Demolist, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem, I mean, absolutely ludicrous cast. I have no idea how long this movie is going to be if Warner Brothers, I imagine they're angling for this to be a franchise, um, franchise starter, but this is getting uh, kind of the hallmark Christmas, you know, big budget uh, release, December 18th so the week before Christmas, not unlike Star Wars believe that's the weekend Star Wars got released this year and I just Scott like I don't know what more there is to say I mean one of my favorite directors uh, adapting something that has been tricky to adapt in the past but with a cast that I mean will leave your jaw on the floor I think Hans Zimmer is doing them doing the score I believe I'm less familiar with the cinematographer I think it's Greg Fraser. I'm not sure.
1: What oh, I his, assumed it was going to be Roger Deacons. So no, it's not. It's
0: not uh, Deakins. But this uh, Greg Fraser has done Zero Dark Thirty, uh, for example. Uh, I don't know if he has any Academy Award nominations, but he also did uh, Rogue One with Gareth Edwards. He did Vice with Adam McKay. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I can't believe I didn't know this. He is the cinematographer for the Batman for Matt Reeves's Batman movie uh-huh. uh, coming out. So uh, really just an incredible cast crew. Uh, putting together this movie with legendary and Warner brothers and um, can't wait for December 18th Scott
1: yeah no I mean I I think I heard I don't know if this was a rumor or confirmed but I want to say that maybe this is only going to be like the first half of the of the Dune novel maybe yeah maybe the first part of it and that you know they're gonna try to split it into two movies basically which I actually think makes a lot of sense because obviously it is a very long and dense novel and I think while I haven't seen the the David Lynch version, like some of the criticisms were that it just got out of control. Um and that that Lynch couldn't really um couldn't, it was, it was overstuffed. And so I think this makes a lot of sense. But yes, yeah, Scott, this movie would have probably been my number two as well, um, if it had not come in on that slot on your list. I think this uh has all the hallmarks of um, you know, uh, maybe someone riding the ship on Dune, right? Because I think Dune right now has this reputation as being sort of this unfilmable thing, this like uh, thing that young directors, promising directors think they can take on. And then it, it, you know, kind of put, puts a lull in their career. I think that's definitely what happened with David Lynch. Um, when he tried to to take on Dune. And then there's another version, too. Maybe Hodorowski tried to do a version. I, I don't know if I'm just imagining that or not. But anyway, Villeneuve is uh, on a hot streak for me right now. Like, obviously, we talked about Sicario and how I'm not the hugest fan of that, but really like a, a rival. And I love Blade Runner 2049. I think that's probably my favorite of his films.
0: And um, Prisoners from 2013.
1: Yeah, no, that's going all the way back to the, to almost the beginning. But yeah, um, yeah, no, that's that's a great one as well. But um and with it, with the cast that he has assembled, um, you know, there's, there's a lot writing on this movie there's a lot of writing on this movie being good, I, I think. Um, and so I hope that uh, this movie just does not collapse under the weight of all of its money and star power and the budget uh, and the expectations that are, that are locked at, mo- at, at this movie, Lodged at this movie. But I think there's plenty of reasons to be excited.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only thing that might temper my expectations at all is that, this is a very different type of movie than Denny has done in the past. Uh, yes, even Bl- Blader in 2409, absolutely, you know, kind of spiritually rebooting. It, it is a sequel, but it, it, for all intents and purposes, it is a little bit of a, of a soft reboot for that franchise and the fact that he was able to do so well. But he made that a very personal story about Kay, about um, about that, that central character, and, and he really kept things under control. You know, this is a movie that... You know, again, uh, we'll see the the way that he adapts this and the way he takes this. I mean, he maybe maybe he tries that approach, and maybe that's why they're splitting it into multiple, uh, even the book into multiple films. Uh, we'll, again, we'll we'll see on all these things. But I think that his strength is making these it could be very expansive tales seem very personal. I think that was what he did with Arrival, uh, what he did with Sicario as well, and certainly what he did with Prisoners. And I think that 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 is his strong suit. And you know, these very expansive movies there it's very it can very quickly get out of control i think he is someone who who can master that absolutely i, I have the full expectation that he will uh but it, this adaptation almost feels like something that the russo brothers should be doing even with like balancing all these different cast members uh but again i think that i don't know if i'd be more excited if the russo brothers were doing it because denny again one of my favorite directors
1: yeah and i think like there was a lot of good world building i think in blade runner and he's going to have mm-hmm. to do that a lot a lot here as well cuz i think one of the thing, one of the noble things about Dune is that it is so dense, like the there's there's so much to the mythology of it. That's why it's inspired so many novels and offshoots and stuff like that, is because um it's kind of Frank Herbert kind of created his own language almost with Dune. And so translating that to screen, I think is gonna be one of the big difficulties of this. But with Blade Runner, he showed that he, you know, is possibly the the guy for the job.
0: Yeah, no, couldn't be more excited, and we didn't talk about all about the premise of Dune, but uh, you can you can find that for yourself elsewhere. I'd imagine it won't be hard to understand what that story is about just by googling Dune,
1: or maybe it will be hard. I I, I think it's supposed to be pretty dense, like I said, but yeah. Well,
0: yeah, 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 sure. The the story itself, I just meant like the premise of it, right? The to, fact yeah, that to find out, yeah, 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 it's space it's not a space opera but it's a epic space movie uh anyway all right scott your number one the movie you are most excited about for 2020 share that with us
1: yeah scott not even close honestly for me my number one is the trial of the chicago seven um this is the latest film from aaron sorkin this is uh you know obviously most famous for being a screenwriter um but this will be his second film that he's directed following up with 2017's Molly's Game, which is a movie that I liked a lot. I don't think it necessarily lived up to the full potential that a Sorkin-helmed a movie can. Um, but uh, I have reason to believe that this movie perhaps is uh, w- will live up to those high expectations because it's a courtroom drama. And I think uh, that is the type of thing that Sorkin does the best. I mean, obviously, my favorite film of all time is A Few Good Men, which is uh a aaron sorkin written courtroom drama but i think you can even look at something like the social network and in a way that's a, that is sort of a modern day courtroom drama the the scenes in particular that take place in the boardroom uh which is sort of the modern day courtroom uh between um you know w- when the depositions are being taken of the winkle Va- voss twins and um and uh, mark Zuckerberg and all of that those scenes i think are, you know are are Sorkin at his best, uh, mainly because I think what he does really well is two, two or three people talking to each other. And a lot of times uh, that's exactly what a courtroom drama is. It's people talking to each other and you know, a, a trial setting. But this is a, a famous case, or this this is adapted from the story of a famous case about um, sort of a riots, uprisings that went on at the 1968 um, Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Um, people were arrested at this sort of very pivotal time in politics in U.S. history. Um, And the cast here is star-studded, as you'd expect. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Keaton, Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron Cohen, Jeremy Strong, uh, Mark Rylance, uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr., Scott, someone that we're really uh, excited about after last year. Um, The the list goes on and on. Like I said, this was an easy choice for me just because it's an Aaron Sorkin-written courtroom drama just like my favorite movie of all time is. Uh, and so I think that I'm excited to see him getting back to this area where, I mean, although I think everything Cirkin is, is good uh, this area where I think he is far none, the best in the business. Um, and so this, this was always going to be my number one. And I just can't, can't wait for this.
0: Yeah. This really feels like a movie that, you know, Molly's Game, we loved it, absolutely. It was a little bit more of a mixed movie, just because I think that if you're not the biggest fan of Aaron Sorkin's type of you know, dialogue, which isn't really how... Sometimes it, the big what the biggest complaint might be that it's not how real humans talk. Um, obviously, it's, it's the way we want them to talk, but not necessarily always the way that they are able to talk. Um, and sure. I think Molly... Molly's Game might have been a kind of an over-the-top example of that. But I think this is the kind of content that's going to pull people in. Like, all right, even if you're lukewarm on Aaron Sorkin as a writer and director, which neither of us are, to be very clear, uh, you know, th- this is the kind of uh, material, not unlike the social network, that I think will pull you in. And really get you to go see this film. I mean, if 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 not the content, then probably the cast that you just rattled off the million names that are in this cast. I don't even think you did you even mention Michael Keaton is also in this. Um
1: yeah, I'd say his name towards the beginning, but you did, they okay. all ran together. So.
0: yeah, no, I mean there's just so many people in this cast. The and Paramount is the one distributing this one. It's uh, over there as a part of DreamWorks Pictures, which is obviously there's DreamWorks animation, but then there's their live action department as well. And uh Paramount needs a winner, to say the least. I mean they went through a period of time last last fall where they had some they had some real stinkers go back to back, and the fact that Sonic did did well for them uh, was, I'm sure, a huge sigh of relief uh, for all the people over at Viacom CBS. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have huge expectations of this film. Again, another movie, a hundred thousand percent would have been on my list if it hadn't been at the top of yours. And so. Just really looking forward to October 2nd. I think this gets a limited release on the the weekend before, which is the same weekend of the last night in Soho. But it's wide release is that first weekend in October. And uh, it's going to be a good couple weeks, I think, to say the least. All right, Scott, my number one. Uh, if you're trying to rack your brain and think about what would be my number one, what is like so obviously should be my number one that it's topped Dune. And that is... Christopher Nolan's uh, next film that we somehow have not yet mentioned. I don't know how anyone thinks about 2020 movies and doesn't think Christopher Nolan, because Tenet is coming out. It's a summer release, July 17th. It's a Warner Brothers picture. Uh, he has, of course, his overall deal with Warner Brothers uh, as well, similar to D- Denis Villeneuve. Um, and this movie, Scott, I mean, we it, it just feels like I don't, a week doesn't go by without me thinking about this film, even more so now that we've started, you know, thinking about recording, et cetera, watching the Chris Nolan movies for our Nolan countdown mini series. But the fact that this movie is coming out and it's starring John David Washington, I and mean, we talked about Black Klansman when we talked about Spike Lee earlier this year, but John David Washington getting a starring role in a, in a Chris Nolan movie. I mean, if people didn't, if, if people didn't look at John David Washington and say, all right, this guy's the real deal for Black Klansman. I mean. You couldn't get more eyes on you, I don't think, being in being in a, mo- in a Chris Nolan uh, movie, with maybe the exception of being in the MCU. And then there's also Robert Pattinson, who, you know, obviously there's a lot of conversation around him right now. The fact that he's going to be the next Batman, and Matt Reeves is the Batman, uh, really reshaped his whole career since the Twilight days, with all these indie movies that he's done with, um, you know, indie, indie directors at A24. Elizabeth Debicki coming off, you know, kind of really her big, her first big movie, at least, since Widows, back in um, twenty eighteen. I think that she might have been in something, uh, last year that was really small. But I mean, she's she's coming back uh, now in in another huge movie. Here uh, has a very it seems like a very significant supporting role. But there's also Michael Caine, who is very familiar to Christopher Nolan movies. Kenneth Branagh, uh, Kenneth Branagh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Himesh Patel from um the Beatles movie last year. Yesterday that I'm forgetting right now. Um, and yeah, just the cast is amazing. Christopher Nolan. He's always, it feels like he's always reinventing some new angle to look at the themes that he, all right, the classic themes that he likes to explore. They're usually always something to do with time, perception of time, um, you know, growing up, living through time, things like that. There's always some element to that. And Tenet feels like another. Uh, another iteration on that, I mean Dunkirk was an iteration on that, Interstellar was an iteration on that, Inception, even to some extent parts of the Batman, certain elements of Batman movies also I think deal with a little bit with time, but Memento, I mean every single movie that has these threads in it, and Tenet feels like uh, is, is another iteration of that. The premise of it is is at least very uh, straightforward, is a, a secret agent is tasked with preventing World War III through time travel. Uh, that secret agent being John David Washington, maybe Robert Pattinson in there as well as a, as a partner. But it, there's just so much between the trailer and the prologue, the IMAX prologue that showed before the Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, which uh, in the three hours that I sat in the theater that day was the thing that got me most excited and I was most happy about leaving the theater that day, which is uh, tells you all you need to know about Star Wars Episode Nine, probably. But the fact that Chris Nolan is also the only director in Hollywood um, who his director power gives him. 205 million dollars for a budget I mean it, they will they will throw money right and left I mean today not this but not today but this week you know we found out that I forget who it is maybe it was Paramount or if it was was I mean having you know tremors about the fact that Martin Scorsese won a 225 million dollars for um, the next movie he's doing with Leonardo DiCaprio uh, Flower Flowers of the Shadow, Shadows of the, killers,
1: killers of the Flower Moon Killers
0: of the Flower Moon um, Yeah sorry muff that one, but yeah, the fact that like Paramount it won't even give someone like Martin Scorsese that much money, but Chris Nolan, I mean, Warner Brothers will write a blank check for him. Ludwig Goranson is doing the music, who I'm a huge fan of. Ludwig Goranson, I believe probably, I'm trying to, I'm trying to decide what I think he's most famous for, but he won an Academy Award for the score for Black Panther, so that's probably what he's most famous for, <laughs> but he's done a, a bunch of other stuff that I think is awesome as well. He did the Creed movies. He did Fruit Bell Stations, worked a lot with Ryan Coogler, um, and I'm a huge fan of his score. He's doing he's doing that, and then Hoyt Van Hoytema is doing the cinematography. Uh, probably most famous for Ad Astra last year, but maybe Dunkirk as well. Uh, uh, Interstellar. He's done a, a couple Chris Nolan movies um, in the last few years. Did Spectre with Sam Mendes as well. Did Her with Spike Jones. So again, another just another gate, another great cast and crew. Uh, doing this film, not unlike Dune, but just not, nothing can get me more excited at this point than a good looking Chris Nolan movie. And I know that you can't find it online, uh, but if you ever get the chance to l- watch that prologue, uh, the IMAX prologue that came, that showed before Rise of Skywalker, I mean, check it out if you can because it was really awesome.
1: Yeah, Scott, you know, last year I chose for my number one most anticipated um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just, mainly simply just because of the director power that Tarantino's name has for me. I think Nolan probably has similar effect for you Mm -hmm. um, that Tarantino has for me. At the same time, I'm obviously a huge fan of Christopher Nolan as well, even if some of his recent output hasn't been like, uh, you know, the most thrilling to me. Uh, But we've talked before about how his career trajectory kind of goes in in the direction of he makes one mainstream, he makes a big mainstream movie, and then he goes and makes a crazy mind trip movie that he probably wants to make. Obviously, you know, in the former category, you have movies like the Batman movies, and you have Dunkirk, Um, and in the latter category, you have stuff like Inception and Memento, and I think, you know, with the exception of The Dark Knight, the things that I really, uh, the films that I really, really enjoy from Nolan tend to be in that latter category uh, of the more experimental, um, very original pieces of work, and that's exactly what Tenet is going to be, obviously, and so um, if I couldn't get more excited that anyway, that, that is something which gets me more excited along with that cast that you mentioned. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this is one of the event movies of, of 20, um, 2020 and I'm ju- I'm excited to say that about an original film because I think so many of the movies that we've talked about even today are, are going to be adapted or going to be adaptations. So um, yeah. that, that is something to always be happy about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, if I'm missing an obvious one, just let me know. But I think this is the event movie of 2020. I don't, I don't think that there's any sort of even debate for that.
1: Yeah, nothing else is is really jumping to mind.
0: All right, man. Well, I think that will do it. I mean, that is, that is our most anticipated movies of 2020. Glad we could break it out into its own thing this year and, and give a full treatment. Uh, I think past years we just kind of rattled off as quickly as possible at the end of an episode. Uh, but Scott, where can people find you on Twitter?
1: Uh, on Twitter, uh, I am at Scarvy Dent in person. I'm on the still on the toilet right now. It's not that comfortable, but I'm excited to leave the room here in a few minutes.
0: All right, Scott, we'll, we'll let you out of the cage in just a moment. You can find me at at shelton2013 over on Twitter, where you can also find our podcast at at Media Plug Pods. We'd love it if you checked us out over there, but we'd love it even more if you checked out our podcast Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash Media Plug Pods, where there are a bunch of different reward tiers for you to check out and uh, pledge to the podcast help us support us, keep this thing a financially viable thing for us to do. Again, that's www.patreon.com slash pods. If you choose not to support us over on Patreon, though, that's totally fine. You can still find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts, where we'd appreciate if you rated and reviewed, subscribed, shared, all that jazz so that we can continue to reach a broader audience. All right, I've said enough. We really appreciate all of you for taking time out of your day. To listen to us chat about movies and next week we will make our triumphant return to reviewing films with pixar's first new movie of 2020 that is onward but until then for scott harvey i'm scott shelton we'll see you next time